Hey, hey, everybody. We'll go, uh, gonna go live for episode four. I got with me tonight the guys from the after party, uh, Robert Hammond and Zeb Proctor. How y'all doing tonight? Good, good. Howdy, everybody. Thanks for having us on, Chris. Yeah, man. It's, uh, it's always better to do these, uh, not by myself. So, you know, you don't like hearing yourself talk for hours on end. I don't like hearing myself talk for two minutes, but, uh, you know, here we are. My wife says that uh, I talk too much. When the kids get in trouble, she says, you talk way too much. But I don't like talking by myself. So <laughs> thoughts are usually inside the head and not coming out vocally. Whereas my wife, she'll sit over here at her computer and start talking. And I'm taking my headset off. What you want, honey? Oh, nothing. I'm just talking to myself. Thanks. Well, I'll, uh, I'll talk to myself at work and I'll tell people. I'll say, hey, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say, oh, that, that doesn't look right. You know, that looks stupid and whatever, whatever. And somebody will say, who are you talking to? I was like, ah. I'm uh, getting expert advice. There you go. <laughs> so I do want to touch back on something we was just talking about, and that's the uh, Bernie Bros versus the uh, the Biden, I guess, militia, whatever you want to call them, the the Biden camp. Um, uh, just to give context, people. Uh, just call it the not Trump, the not Trump group. Just call it that because they don't even rep Biden. They're like Biden's not my dude. I just voted for him. You know, he's not my guy. It's yeah. Wild. Yeah, basically, yeah, what we were saying is, you know, Bernie bros, you know, at least they stand by their morals, you know. They'll they'll stick with Bernie, you know, and his policy or they'll call out, you know, bad policy, whatever. But they may end up voting, you know, for Joe Biden, may not, but they'll they'll call out bad policy typically when they see it. Um but the Biden or the as Zeb put it, the uh the not Trumpers, um basically just voted for Biden because he's didn't like Trump. Yeah, he, he wasn't going to tweet mean things. He can't remember what his Twitter login is, so I don't know if he can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's pretty funny. At this point, I think they're just, like, trolling him. I think they're just, like, uh, I don't even – It's uh, it's the wildest thing ever to see how people, when you bring up you know, Biden and, you know, him backtracking on things. And just honestly, it's his horrible track record. Like, I don't know if you could pick another Democrat within the majority uh, that has a worse record than Biden, uh, truly. Uh, and the, the Bernie guys at least have, like you said, kind of like principles because, you know, Bernie Sanders during segregation was there getting water hosed uh and walking in selma and and or maybe it wasn't there but he was a part of that movement and uh you know biden was voting on you know with dixiecrats he might as well have been a dixiecrat for a while uh so it's just it's funny seeing that shift and like you said they there probably are a lot of bernie bros that voted biden just because of democratic or democrat policies in, in general or socialist policies in general but uh i don't know they're just they're different than the the not trumpers i i I, 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 it's weird just a weird time so yeah the the not trumpers are a very spiteful group um they're it's not so much the policy it's just they're anti him and you see in a lot of that from the republican party when obama was in office which was the the anti-obama group or whatever they didn't care what he was pushing they just hated the guy 
Um, and right. you know, you can you can be for whatever you want to be. I don't I don't care, but you know, don't don't cry when somebody makes fun of you for it. Um, and you know, and you see, uh, one thing I do want to say too is that you look at the Bernie Bros. And then you look at the, you know, the Trumpers and the Trump camp. It's a very different aesthetic as far as how it goes. You know, uh, from my experience, you know, Trumpers will absolutely, you know, that's one of the things that really turned me off to, you know, the duopoly. And that really forced me hard into uh, the Libertarian Party was these people were making excuses for Trump that they shouldn't have been making excuses for. You know, he was saying shit that he shouldn't have been saying and i was like but you can't say that he's wrong and just admit that he's wrong and then just move past it well no you know he because it's it's us versus them and i was like that's stupid that's that's a stupid way to be that's that's the dumbest shit i've ever heard it it, i mean people are wrong you know every politician is wrong 90 percent of the time but and it's just it, it it drove me nuts, and that's what really pushed me away from it. And I think that's what's really done a lot of people in too. Is you know, you know, you'll see mainstream media, you know, bend over backwards to lick Joe Biden's nuts and you know make him look good, but yet you know, if he does something wrong, they'll cover it up. You know, somebody maybe a Republican does something good, you know, an actual good piece of legislation, uh, they they hide it, they pretend like it doesn't exist, and you know, it's just it's just this big game of cat and mouse of who's got the power. And it's just, it, it's, it's pathetic. And it's, I think a lot of Americans are really just done with it. And that's why I was saying, you know, the Bernie bros at least stick to the principles. You know, they, they followed the man because of who he is and what he stood for. He's been consistent. Now he may be a commie fuck, but at least he stood for that. His, the majority of his whole life. He is consistent. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a, I think the, the last two elections have gone down to a lot of I'm not voting for somebody. I'm voting against somebody else. Cause I got a lot of uh, Christian conservative friends that voted for Trump that I would have never expected to have voted for someone like him. I would have thought they would have said, no, I, I'm not voting for a man of, of his uh, moral capacity, not going to happen, but they did anyway. And I think it comes down to, they feel like their version of America you know, what they want to see in this country is under attack. And Trump stood up and said, I'm going to defend your version of America. And they got in line behind him and they'll go anywhere with him now. And that no, is I think some- what's interesting, Chris, is that you mentioned, you know, a lot of people are fed up with it. And I think they are. But the problem is, is that they don't have a product with with the Libertarian Party that makes them feel safe or justified in voting. And a lot of the issue is that we got to shift this focus that we got to have the government fix our problems. Like we got to legislate morality to fix our societal problems, which we all know that's not going to, you're not going to legislate that, you know, you got to get the church involved in the communities. Uh, You know, you got to do more outreach. Uh, You got to be what the church used to be. And that's not to say that there's not a lot of churches out there doing it because there are. There are. Now, you obviously, you've got your predatory pastors like the Joel Olsteins and stuff, but it's got to be a grassroots movement, you know, and I think politically, politically, people will say, I can't tell you how many times I've heard, you know, Christian conservatives tell me, you know, I'm really a libertarian at heart, but I don't have anything to vote for there. So this is, I'm going to vote against this. 
And I'm not sure how you get that messaging across, uh, or maybe it's a, a, a question of candidates, but we got to break that because I was really disappointed in the outcome of the election. You know, and Spike Cohn will say he's one of my favorite libertarians ever. Love to hear that guy speak, but even he said it was underwhelming the number that voted. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, I don't know what the answer is to get that get that out there because it's a real uncomfortable conversation too. People I go to church with like know that. I'm the libertarian of the church and like I, we do podcasts. We talk about it very active with you guys and they, it's something different. They don't know. They're, they're kind of offset by it. I don't know. What do you think? So I think, uh, the one thing I've noticed, uh, mostly in the libertarian party or, you know, people who are in the Liberty movement is they will get disheartened. Uh, some people, I shouldn't say they, some people will get very disheartened very quickly. Like, the LP will push a certain policy or a certain stance on something and they don't agree with it. And they'll say, Oh, I'm done. I'm going back to my political priors. You know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm going back to the Republicans or the Democrats cause you know, X, Y, or Z policy. And that's, and the way I've always looked at it is this. Um, and I, I was, I, I'm not going to say the guy's name. I, I try not to do that. Cause you know, I'm not going to say anything bad about him, but, I was having a discussion this morning when I come off graveyard with this gentleman on Facebook and I said, you know, you can, so this, okay, let me, let me preface uh, with this is that they were saying that they're more for like a communal society, whether it be at the federal level or at the local level. So pretty much it's like a, a non-authoritarian socialist. So they're, Kind of like I would say, far closer to like the Green Party. Um, but I said, well, okay, I can get behind that as long as you're talking about non-authoritarian stances. I said, if you and your neighbors decide that we're going to all pull resources and you know, basically community like at a community level, uh, pull resources and take care of each other, that's fine. The problem I have is when you then try to use force to force somebody else into that idea you know if if you and your neighbors want to do that that's fine whatever kind of life you want to live that's fine my problem is is when you try to force it into other people and so we 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 spoke on a few things and the one thing i think that you know if you're going to be in the 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 liberty style movement or the, the libertarian party officially is you just got to focus on the main topic, which is removing authoritarians from your life, whether it be the state, whether it be, you know, unions or companies or whatever. Being free means nobody can dictate to you what your life is going to be like. And, you know, that there's a lot of different ways that people look at that and different, you know, with different interpretations. Um, But, a lot of people get disheartened over like one small piece of policy. And I've seen a lot of people, you know, moaning and groaning over the BLM stuff. I'm like, well, BLM's right, but they kind of had the wrong target. You know, they wanted to protest and, you know, some of their members, I'd say a very small portion of them were burning down, you know, private businesses, wrong target, right message. Uh, And then, you know, you kind of look, you move forward through the summer, through the winter, into January, when those guys, those idiots, 
storm the Capitol building. Right target, wrong reason. So it, there's a there's a lot of that. It's just I, I, I think I think the biggest problem we have in the Libertarian Party is retention. Um, I think some people get disheartened real quick, and you know, over like I said, over one piece of you know legislation or one policy stance, um, inactivity. Um, you know, like like the entire time. Uh, in 2020, I don't think I've seen one official statement from the National LP about being anti-lockdown. They finally come out and said something, I think, a month ago. But a lot of people were pissed off about that. Like, that's that's a ginormous, like, authoritarian stance is lockdowns, you know, forcing people to stay in their homes, shut down businesses, and the LP just disappeared. It's like they faded into the background, like nothing ever happened. Like, now nah, we're not going to say nothing on this. And that's... They should have been all over that one. Absolutely. Prime example of being anti-authoritarian right there is saying hey, lockdowns are stupid. We can do this without forcing people to go bankrupt, lose their, pretty much their life savings in the business that they run. And it, they were just ghosts. And I think stuff like that needs to be fixed. It, that's minor stuff. It is, but it has large waves. You know, those, those little ripples create large waves. And I think stuff like that really turns a lot of people off too. Yeah. I, I, people have a disagreement, like you said, with a, a policy or two within the Libertarian Party. And, you know, I agree with, you know, 90% or whatever the percentage is the person agrees with. And they'll leave over that 10% and go join with the Republicans that they disagree, that they disagree with 40%. But they're much more likely to have a successful election and, you know, and vote for a winner and get 60% of they want instead of 90% of, of nothing, you know, or 0% of 90%, you know? So I think that tends to drive people away is that the lack of success and the disagreement on small things shouldn't be something to drive some, somebody away, but that's what it comes down to with some people. Yeah. And one thing you see a lot of uh, like Spike Cohen, you know, he, pushes for a lot of like local races um like here in tennessee we got trisha butler out in clarksville you know we got rob burke running out in uh and hamblin county for morristown you know starting there and then growing up from there you know you know started local city races county races maybe get a seat in the the state house you know moving from there on that's how you have to start it you know you can't expect to have maybe a hundred elected libertarians across the country and then just win the presidency. It's not something that's going to happen. That's not realistic. Never has been, never will be. Um, but, you know, getting out there and supporting local races, in my opinion, is a lot easier and a lot more efficient than supporting a, you know, a large political race like, you know, we've seen in 2020, you know, with Joe and Spike running for pre uh, president and vice president. Um, because once you get that base, you know, that, that group of people who will vote Libertarian no matter what, and you can expand it year after year, you know, and you can only do that by having uh, local officials who are showing what the LP can do um, at the local level. And then they'll be like, yeah, you know what, you know, I kind of like what they're doing. You know, let's, let's, let's expand this out. You know, let's, let's make a Libertarian governor. You know, let's, let's put a couple of Libertarians in the state house. You know, you keep doing that in enough states and you do that at the local level long enough. It won't be hard to put somebody in the White House or in Congress 
You know, it, 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 you just got to start somewhere and you can't start at the top and work down. It's got to be bottom up. No, absolutely. I agree. And, uh, I think on a local level, I think a lot of that starts with, you know, it's kind of a revolution education, you know, and, you know, shout out to the guys. What was the for all Tennessee organization for action, Tennessee, uh, Cornette, Justin Cornette and, uh, and, uh, and Eckle over there, um, that education and that segue and, you know, to, on important issues like civil asset forfeiture, uh, jury notification, uh, ballot access, uh, rigged subcommittees that, that kill a bill, uh, even though the, the it, it had the, uh, the right votes to, to go through. Uh, all those things, I think we have to, we have to educate people or at least show people, hey, look, look at this, what's going on. I know that you're mad about kids in cages and on the federal level. And I know we're talking about a lot of other stuff on the federal level. Let's talk about a little bit what's going on on a local level, you know, and uh, we got to get people to care about that, too. The, the, the media, the national media has done such a good job in fear mongering. And, and making it about, you know, your this vote is absolutely right because that vote will ruin the country. That that candidate will ruin the country or vice versa. Uh, so it never becomes a, a discussion where it's talking about the issues. It's just a, a name-calling contest. Uh, and it just goes from there. And it's funny because we talk about, you know, us older, like not necessarily our generation, but when you get older, especially – know you want to look like maybe perhaps the boomer generation uh it's really easy to blame the new generations well they're weak or this or that but everything they do is a reflection upon what the older generation is doing the precedents they sent uh they sent and i think social media i swear if back in the 1970s if you had wi-fi and and facebook and everything like you did we would have the same problems then uh, with 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 social media that we do now, uh, it's really just a reflection upon what the duop- duopoly and the uh, uh, biotic view of politics ha- has made to where you have this impasse and people just just vote on identity politics on fear. Uh, there's no discussion on on issues, so we got to get people interested in issues and make them understand why it's relevant in the local context. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know how to do that because that's hard. Uh, I think my the issue that that really threw me that, to the Libertarian Party was uh, Trump did not pull out of any wars and the economy, just the spending, like the biggest government under the republic ever was under Trump, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so, I mean, those two things just kind of showed me that this is all a charade. Like, no matter what you, what you say, you're not going to do it. You know, drain the swamp. And you have Mitch McConnell uh, in your ear, you know. So uh, I don't know how to get people out of the fear of identity politics, but we got to get them focused on, like you said, local issues, local politics. And uh, that looks a lot different across the nation. You know, that's going to look differently in Illinois than it does in Tennessee or in Alabama versus Nevada, wherever else. Yeah, if the, Liber- so, uh, if the Libertarian Party can get their their people like uh, Echo and Cornette, you know, getting a group together like that, or even if it's not an official group, just individuals of the Libertarian Party, 
to go after their local or state uh, elected officials for specific um, laws, bills, ordinances, or whatever. Don't try to, you know, take over the governor. Go, go pound your rep state representative about civil asset forfeiture. Work with the Democrats or, you know, liberty-leaning Republicans to get that taken care of. And that's going to be different than in, say, uh, you know, New Jersey or something. They might be working with the with the, the Democrats more there to get something done. Whereas in Tennessee, they're frequently going to be working more with Republicans because we're a very Republican state. We got a super, I think the Republicans have a super majority in the, the state house and state Senate. So we're going to have to work with them to push the agenda we want through the grassroots effort, not through necessarily getting elected until we get some of those local elections won. So and it's going to be different in each state because, you know, you can work with the Republicans all you want in New Jersey. You're probably not going to get anything done because the Democrats are going to control that. So it's to get things done, it's going to have to be local and it's going to have to be uh, hounding the, the majority party that you that 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 you can get some some of the things you want, even though you're not going to get others. Yeah, I think I think one thing, too, it. I don't want to call it dirty politics, but I want to say that it is personal accountability on the political level. And, you know, Republicans harp, and I'm talking harp on gun rights. You know, they'll say, oh, you know, we care about your guns and making sure that you have the right to, you know, bear arms and all that. But then they'll say, oh, well, you know, maybe we do need to expand, you know, background checks. You know, we need to do cavity searches before you buy a gun. Something stupid ass thing like that and beat him to death with it you know say look you know if you're going to say gun rights fine let's talk about gun rights you know let's talk you know why are you saying that you know there should be a ban on this or that or whatever you know why is tennessee a republican majority but we don't have a constant uh, constitutional carry law like you know you you have to pay you know prior to last year you had to pay what is it almost like 200 dollars to get a carry license that's open or concealed. And there is so many loopholes and so many, not loopholes, so many uh, stipulations to it, so many regulations behind it. And it was crazy. Like, you, you, you can go into certain places, but you can't go into other places. You know, if, you know, you got to have this sign, but if it doesn't have this on it, you don't have to care. And beat them to death on stuff like that. You know, and then, like you said, you know, libertarians and you know, Democratic, uh, Democratic strongholds beat them to death on their policy. You know, stuff that we believe in that, you know, they talk about beat them to death on it. You know, say, oh, you're, you're for open borders. Let's talk about that. You know, say, okay, well, why do you think that we should still have the INS or ICE or, you know, the Department of Homeland Security? Because the Department of Homeland Security would, you know, encompass all of that. But yet, you know, the Department of Homeland Security oppresses, in a lot of ways, the American people and uh, foreign nationals who were on U.S. soil and not on U.S. soil. You know, beating them to death over stuff like that. And it's just, it's beating them with their own policy. You know, they're going to say, we believe in this. That okay, I'm going to hold you to that standard then. Do it publicly. You know, a lot of people don't like that. They're like, oh, well, it's a violation of the NAP. I don't think it is, because if you're saying... If you go out on Main Street and you hold a sign that says LGBTQ plus, you know, 
whatever the acronym is today, this day of the week, whatever. Um, and then just, and, but you're wearing a shirt that says, you know, there's only two genders. I mean, beat them to death with that, you know, say, okay, why do you think there's only two genders and this and that, you know, it's, it's stuff like that. You know, if they're going to push a political stance, but they're not going to actually, you know, fight for that stance, beat them with it, you know, show them why they're wrong. They'll either change and they'll conform to what they're saying, or we can run somebody against them saying, Hey, look, you know, we actually believe in this, these things. You know, we, we actually believe in gun rights. We actually believe in, you know, uh, open immigration, all this stuff. And it's just, it, it comes down to being, I think a little bit more aggressive, like Justin and Josh have been, you know, just being more aggressive in that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, at the the I mean, we talked about you know doing this stuff locally, but the presidential race we're never going to win. The 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 well, not never, but not until we get some groundwork put in first. I, I think the libertarian presidential run should be put there to win because you never know what's going to happen. You never know what kind of there may be something happen with the two candidates, and a lot of people are just like, I can't vote for that. And then they walk away and they vote third party. So you got to always be ready for that. You got to be working to win, but you got to know that it's probably not going to happen anytime soon. So the, the, the most important thing with that presidential election is sending a message, S- sending a radical libertarian message that we are not like these two. We may share some policies with the Democrats or some policies with the Republicans, but we're for freedom all the time, all your freedoms, no matter your, your gender or your, your race or whatever, your religion, we don't care. We're for all your freedoms all the time and, and spread that message. Don't, don't come out and some lukewarm message about civil asset forfeiture or this or that, you know, it's like the lockdowns are wrong. They should have, the, the, the campaign should have been pounding that the entire time because they would have, would they have gotten many Democrats with that message? No. But that's our principle. You do not lock us down. You don't, you don't have any legitimate authority to lock us down like this. So knock it off. Are you going to win some Republicans? Probably. You're probably going to pick up some Republicans in places where uh, their Republican governors were doing lockdowns and not letting the people exercise their freedom. So that, that presidential campaign is, is a huge messaging center that was not taken advantage of, I don't think, this time. And it wasn't taken advantage of the last couple of times. We need somebody like Harry Brown back, you know, freedom, you know, give us freedom. We can handle it, but not this lukewarm stuff like we've had. Well, I think, I think, and I, I know this is a dead horse, I'm, but I'm going to beat it a little bit anyways. Um, if you look at Ron Paul, how he ran his campaign, he said, I don't care to run your life. I don't know how to, I don't want to, I just want to give you the ability to run your own life. I just want to give you the freedom to run your own life. And that is the message we should stay on. Um, you know, a lot of people can get out in the weeds about policy, this and the other thing, but I think that's a be- a far better message than saying, Hey, you know, we've got these two obese guys who are like yelling at each other on stage, you know, a couple months ago who don't know where they're at or what they're talking about. And, you know, I, I know I know y'all probably seen it, but after that first presidential debate, you know, the LP national website crashed because so many people 
were flocking right. to it, like trying to like look at policy and they it 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 just melted down um i can only imagine how hard those poor servers work and you know the the two racks that they had running that you know maintains what we have now but i i know that it had to have been working overtime cuz i watched it and i was like i i I don't even know what country I'm in anymore. This feels like some kind of weird Stephen King horror film. I said, this is like, it's like, it's, it's a, it's a dead man fighting. A, like, it's like, it's like the kid who got bullied in high school died. And he, now he's fighting his bully. And that's really what it just felt like. And it was, it was the weirdest thing ever. And, you know, that would have been a prime time, you know, to come out and say, look, you like this policy that's fine just don't force it on other people we don't want you to force your life's choices on other people we don't want you to force your decisions on other people we don't want you to force your religion on other people if you want that that's fine we don't care just don't force it on other people and i think i think the reality of it though and why and ultimately the messaging failed even though i think georgeson is a very principled libertarian I enjoy her, and I really think uh, Cohen is great. But the, the reality of it is the media and uh, and also past generations has set the precedence that we have to vote to rule over the other half or the other half will ruin our life. Uh, there's no live and let live anymore. There's essentially the black flag in their their minds and what they think and how they register things like that's where you see all this like really accelerist uh narrative comes from these guys that have to go on the the fringe extremes because that's what the media and past generations have driven home that you have to vote this way to rule over the other half because if you don't they're going to do this if their guy gets in and uh, they've forgotten the roots that america was based on uh individuality stage uh you know very stage rights if you want to put it put it in terms like that uh and there's a lot of different ways that looks like i think another problem libertarians uh run into is that a lot of times you'll get libertarians in different factions and 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 sections and this is something i've encountered on both sides from like kind of the right-leaning libertarians and very left-leaning libertarians that there's almost like a purity test uh, to get in, to hang out with this club. And a lot of people aren't up to speed on Austrian economics. I'm just going to be real with you. It wasn't until I went to uh, a civil asset forfeiture campaign where I finally bought some, like bought in and was buying uh, some, some good books reading on, you know, uh, uh, economics in one day, in one, one book. I can't remember the, the, the one lesson. The Henry, what's, what's the name of that book? You got it. Economics Robert? in one lesson. Henry Hazlitt. That one of the best books ever written. Yeah, uh, that's just, just that's. I mean, it really breaks it down. But my point is, a lot of people aren't familiar with that, uh, so that shouldn't be a go-to, a go-to litany test of whether or not someone's a libertarian. And then also, you got on the on the left side those guys that, uh, if you don't completely agree with my view on gender identity or poly, whatever they're calling it today. Uh, then you're infringing on my rights and the extreme the, the extreme takes that if you disagree on this then that makes you transphobic or whatever uh, the extreme these 
these extreme litany tests of getting in has has scared scared away a lot of people i can't tell you uh when i was doing another podcast before i was with the after party me and robert started this up before that i i i introduced some people to libertarianism you know into the group to the libertarian page of uh tennessee and you know i would say on on let's say out of five three out of five would come back and say, man, there's no way I could fit in with those guys. Like I agree with like a lot of what you're saying, but this one issue, you know, somebody would, would disown me for it or throw me, you know what I mean? So they, 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 we have a messaging problem with where we're trying to bring people in, whether it's from the left or the right. Uh, when we're trying to bring them in, it's, they get scared off by one, one issue that maybe somebody, uh, drives home too much like for example like it should have been lockdown should have been what our messaging was should have been other things I, we got to find some more unifying messaging uh, that includes you know rights for everybody that's what we're talking about and that's another reason why i can't agree with both of you guys more about the grassroots movement that if we could get people to understand you know tyranny can happen on the state level and we need to fight that and that's worthy of fighting because if you fight it there when it comes down from the federal level, you're more uh, more likely to use, you know, constitutional rights like nullification and and stuff like that uh, to fight it, you know. But you got to do it on the on the grassroots level first. So I think a lot of the problem is we kind of we kind of run people off sometimes too. I'm not saying us three like we would never be uh, guilty of that, you know. And I get. I get in, into it sometimes too, you know, I just think that's something libertarians on average could probably do better about is trying to be more inviting, inclusive and say, yeah, we, it's okay. You don't, you're not familiar with this or this. Let, let, let me show you this about it. You know what I mean? I'm not sure. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. There's some people take a long time to become fully libertarian. It might take them decades or years or, and some people just, they, they read it and they're like, I get it. I understand. But, you don't want to bring somebody in, like, like say from the left and, and say, well, if you don't agree that I can't have a machine gun or a tank, then you're not a real libertarian. Well, they're gone. Well, if you yeah. give them some time to actually process it, you know what, this gun rights thing is really, you know, people should be able to own guns. And then eventually, well, that whole assault weapon thing isn't right either. So the way they should be able to, it's a fake term. People should be able to own whatever guns they want. And, oh, really, machine guns and felon? You know, it, you can't run them off when, they're, when, when, they, when they first walk in the door. you got to let them come in, look around, see that you're welcoming. And, you know, it's the same way from the right. Like, oh, you want to legalize weed? No, we want to do heroin, too. All right, he's gone, you know. Uh, yeah. How about just let people come in, let them. And, Maybe. you know, I've seen some, some hateful posts about, you know, this side or that side. And it's like, you're not welcome here. You're not, and I've had people tell me you know, based on the messaging from, I won't say the left or the right side of the, the spectrum here in Tennessee, they're like, I don't feel welcome in the, in the Libertarian Party because they, they don't, my type's not welcome. Well, your type is welcome. They just, some people are a little extreme this way and some are a little extreme this way, but a lot of us are kind of overlapping here in the middle and you need to hang out with us because you're welcome here and you just got to kind of ignore the fringes. So, uh, my litmus test, and I, I, I'm not going to lie, I have a litmus test. My litmus test is, do you want to see the federal government reduced? I, I don't ask how much. Do you want to see the government involvement in your life reduced? Could be a little bit. Could be a lot. 
could be all the way, you know. You know, I got a lot of people I talk to that are anarchists. I've got people that I talk to that are minarchists. I've got people that I talk to that just, they don't think the federal government should be as big as it is, but they don't know quite how far down they want to go. I can get behind that. You know, those are people I'm willing to talk to. I, you know, policy, you know, if you want to talk about, you know, socialism without an authoritarian stance, I'm willing to talk to you. If you're willing to say, you know, I'm I'm o- I'm open for socialism without the government force of it. Fine, I, we can have that discussion. You know, the problem is is when you have a government that's as large as ours, you can't say that you know you want to do one thing for the good of all the country while you're forcing it on other people. That's immoral. Now, if you say, "Oh well, me and my friends, we want to do this." But the federal government prevents you from doing it because they're like, no, we'll see. Our party won last election, so we're going to force you to do this. That's immoral. It doesn't matter if it's a Republican or a Democrat. It really, to me, it really needs to be about understanding that I want to let you do what you want to do as long as you don't affect what I want to do. If you're not going to force your beliefs on me, I'm not going to, I can't force my beliefs on you. Um, and like, that's where I was going with earlier was, you know, if, if you want to set up a commune in your neighborhood, you know, one guy grows weed, one guy makes bullets, one guy makes guns, one guy makes corn, one guy makes potatoes, one guy grows cows or, you know, raises cattle, but you all share resources. That's fine. But don't come into my neighborhood and say, oh, well, we need to have, you know, you, you guys have apples. We're going to take your apples. That's that's not cool. You know, the same way on the flip side of, you know, uh, kind of on the opposite side of the political, uh, political spectrum, you know, you shouldn't be allowing a company to come in and take somebody's resources for, you know, pennies on the dollar if they're not cool with it. You know, if they're like, well, you know, we're making, you know, pennies on ten dollars yeah well we'll take pennies on the dollar you know if that if, the, if it's voluntary transaction if it's a agreed upon by both parties to make that agreement that's fine but once you start using government force that's the problem and that's the that's the key message i try to pass along to everybody is that is my litmus test is are you willing to let your neighbor do what they want to do as long as they let you, you know, as long as they leave you alone. If they say yes, then we can have that discussion. You know, you and I, on an individual level, can have that discussion about minor policy. And what I consider minor policy, you know, a lot of people won't consider it this, but, you know, <clears throat> where do you draw the line at right to bear arms? I have, a, uh, I have a standard that is basically anything that you can physically carry. Because, you know, there's that straw man argument. Oh, so you think, you know, Jeff Bezos should be allowed to buy nukes? No, it's not an arm. It's a it's a piece of equipment. You know, you can't carry a nuke into battle with you. Um, you know, so anything that you can physically drive or carry into, you know, your house, I think you should be allowed to have. Nukes, eh, a little bit different. They're, they're, they don't fall under the classical definition of arms. Um, but I, I wouldn't be opposed to somebody saying, oh, well, I want to buy one just for shits and giggles. Oh, whatever, I guess. But 
the argument that I always make is as long as you don't have any intent to use it or you don't have any, you know, understanding of using it against your neighbor, that's my litmus test. It's just, if you're willing to leave me alone, I want to leave you alone. I have don't. that, uh, I have that uh, socialism thing you were talking about. Um, people saying, well, I want Medicare for all, like, you know, the, you know, the, almost always from the left. And I'm like, you can have that today. You can, there, there are organizations out there. Uh, you could, uh, insurance organizations. Uh, I can't remember the names of them right now, but, uh, they're usually religious based, but you, you can go in and, uh, set up your organization. People donate, you contribute money. If you get sick, then the people send money to you and you're taken care of. It's a, it's a health share. Some of the name of them. And, and do that, set it up, make it Medicare for all, set it up, do it. Just don't force me to join it. If I don't want to, if I, if it's good, I will absolutely join it in a heartbeat. But my problem comes in is when you want to make me join it against my will, just like you were saying, yeah. like the commune, it's the same kind of thing that they could do this, but I've never had one say, you know what, that's a good idea. I'm going to go do that. No, they go right back to, I'm going to use the government. I'm going to vote for people that will use the government to force you to join my Medicare for all that I want. And they never, they never follow the chain of, they don't see it as violence. They see it as helping people, but, it, but it comes down to, you say, you're going to do this. What if I say no? Well, you're going to find me. And if I don't pay the fine, then you're going to come arrest me. If I resist getting arrested and locked in a cage, they're going to kill me mm-hmm. at the end of it. All of those wonderful programs are backed up by violence and that's just it's it violates well the nap you know the non-aggression principle and because that's at the end it's 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 violence all of it so uh have you watched that documentary on amazon prime video it's called the monopoly on violence either one i have started it but i haven't gotten i haven't gotten all the way through it as soon as this is over i'm that's what i'm going to watch tonight it is fucking phenomenal because it actually covers health insurance So it talks about prior to 1920, you know, prior to, you know, Woodrow Wilson's, you know, basically socialism in America programs. um, It talks about one in four Americans were a part of a fraternal organization. You know, somebody somewhere is going to be screaming and crying because I said fraternal. But, you know, there are organizations that you can join where they keep a doctor on retention. You pay a flat fee once a year. And it's not even anything crazy. It's something like, I want to say the Masons are like $150 a year, maybe a thousand, but shit, I've got good insurance and I pay more than a thousand dollars a year. And these doctors will fight tooth and nail to retain that contract. That doctor messes up. You know, they're not a good doctor. They lie. They try cheating. They're out. They lose the contract and it's an annual based contract. That's something that could easily be done now. You know, I mean, most Americans can afford, you know, some kind of payment method, you know, not even necessarily a thousand dollars, but like, you know, a couple hundred bucks, you know, I mean, shit, everybody, everybody has a smartphone, everybody. And I don't care who you are, what you say, you, you've got some kind of phone in your pocket. That's money you could reallocate towards, you know, uh, an organization, whether it be a fraternal or maternal, if that's you know a thing. But 
Um, Fraternal is just the name they've always been given them. You know, like yeah, because it's typically uh, male dominated. Yeah, the Elks Club, the Moose Clubs, the Modern Woodman, that kind of thing. I mean, heck, uh, Fred Flintstone was in one. I can't remember what it was called though. But the it was it was something. Yeah, he was. It was like a. It was like it was like a play on the Moose Lodge or something like that. Right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, but I mean, something like that. You know, these you know these organizations basically kept these doctors on retention, and you could show up at any point in time, or you call that doctor and say, "Hey, I need you to meet me at the lodge," and they'll show up. And it's not like you know, one doctor for the entire organization. It's one doctor for that lodge or for that uh, clubhouse or whatever you want to call it. And, you you know, that doctor could prescribe stuff, you know, treat, you know, basic things, you know, something you'll go to see your primary care or like an urgent care for, you know, anything that you don't necessarily need an, uh, an ER for or uh, a surgical center for. And, um, you know, that's where most people spend their money at is, uh, well, I'd say most Americans spend a lot, you know, most of their healthcare dollars at, uh, you know, like an urgent care or they go to the ER for like, you know, a hangnail or, you know, a broke leg. But that stuff, a, a primary care could handle and something like, you know, like a Masonic Lodge that has a doctor on retention, people could handle that. And those fraternal organizations have gone by the wayside because, well, they don't necessarily need that healthcare anymore because it's either government subsidized or work subsidized or whatever. But, you know, if, if somebody walked up to me right now and said, Hey, give me a thousand dollars and we'll take care of your medical bills for the rest of the year, as long as it's like, you know, urgent care related stuff. And I knew that they weren't bullshit and they weren't going to run off with my money. I crank out my wallet right now. I mean, I'll throw it at them. They've got a, a the, the modern, it's not the modern equivalent, but a, a modern version of that kind of thing is, a, uh, I can't remember the name of it now. Uh, my wife has one called Black Bag Medical. It's in Johnson City. Um, but they're a pay, it's a, it's a cash pay doctor. And, and you pay so much a month and you can go to the doctor as often as you want. Minor, you, know, you need stitches, it's free. You need a checkup, it's free. You need whatever minor thing they can provide in the office is all free. It's taken care of under your monthly fee. The only thing they're not going to be able to do is if you have a heart attack or a stroke, you know, those major things, um, x-rays cheap. They, they outsource them. They get a cash discount, super cheap things that uh, the one that was on a podcast, uh, the lady had, she was paying $500 a month for a cancer medication. She had breast cancer and she was paying $500 a month for this medicine and then she was exploring options and she talked to this, this doctor and he said, he did the research and he's like, well, I can get that for five bucks a month. He's like, I'll just include your cancer medication as part of your monthly thing. So now he's got, he provides X cancer medication as part of your, your free thing. And, and the, the thing is, he's not making money on the medicine. So he, they charge like, you know, whatever it costs for the medicine, plus like an additional 10% up for the ordering and the, you know, keeping some on, on supply and that kind of thing. So it's a much better system. If you were able to do that combined with a, like a high deductible insurance, like, you know, okay, fine. I gotta, I gotta have a 10 or a $20,000 deductible. I'm good with that. I'm only going to go in if I have a, a car accident or a heart attack or a stroke or something, or some serious, serious cancer. Other than that, all my stitches, my checkups, everything's going to be taken care of under my $100 a month fee or whatever it comes up to be. I think my wife's is like 65 a month or something. You can do a whole family for, family of four for like 150 a month 
and everything's taken care of except for your serious stuff. Yeah. That's kind of like that fraternal order thing you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at, you know, the fact that you, if you could reduce the amount of taxes you pay on your paycheck by removing that need for like, you know, Medicare, Medicaid, and, you know, like a, a Medicare for all uh, plan, you know, you can dictate what kind of plan you want to be involved in. You know, you can have that choice and you're also keeping that money in your pocket. You know, like you said, you know, you've got that, that plan that you was uh, describing there, you know, well, you know, you're paying so much a month, you know, what you, it's going to cost you. Uh, God forbid, you know, you get into a car accident and you got a broke leg and you need some stitches. They got to cut into your leg and, you know, reset a bone, break a bone, reset it, whatever. You will, you know, you're not paying 40% taxes now. You can actually afford those kind of things. You can save that money to pay for that kind of stuff, right. or you've got enough ass- liquid assets where you can, you know, sell that stuff off and pay for that stuff. And, and that's the thing is people don't understand is, you know, uh, the more government gets involved, the more costly it gets and the less efficient it gets. And that's just, that's just the one thing is, that's that, like I said, that's my one litmus test. Don't force it on other people because someone somewhere has a better idea that will always work better than what's current. Even if it's, even if you look at it and you're like, oh my God, that's the best idea anyone's ever had, someone's got something better. Or they're going to, they're going to lose money to compete better. You know, people hate Jeff Bezos because he's so rich. The first five years of Amazon, you know, being incorporated, they lost money because they were willing to lose money to gain on the back end. Look at them now. You know, somebody else is willing to do that in order to create a better, uh, a better medical system. So, I mean, yeah, it's just, it, there's always something better out there, but when you force your personal beliefs on somebody else, you don't have that option. I think, unfortunately, a lot of people just aren't able to see it in that terms. And I don't, and it's, I don't think it's not because they don't want to. I think it's because they're they're educated not to. Uh, and that brings in the question of education. And that's that's an issue that I've been kind of uh, I hold a, a different test and, uh, or not test or a different view. The many, uh, many uh, libertarians, but personally, I, you know, I, I see firsthand that there's a lack of education uh, for youth. And a lot of that is falls on public education, a great deal of that. But also, again, I think we as people really fail to see the ramifications of you know the fatherless homes the the breakdown of the family and what the lack of education at homes has manifested into and when you throw into public education the focus on traditional four-year college and that's the hyper focus and if you don't fit into that that square block then you're just not going to make it bucko uh that that same idea which Tennessee, personally, a state is trying to correct that wrong in CTE. I am happy to say that we've invested heavily in that. Not enough, in my opinion. And I I personally push for more and and a more diverse option for education. But again, I think to to what you're talking about, you know, people be able to speak on what you're you're, you're talking and understand it, that you're not trying to take something away from them. You're just trying to. Uh, get the control away from the government aspect of it 
that people aren't able to differentiate that because that education isn't at the at the home at the home level you know and that's kind of been translating in a failure of education as far as the institution which i'm not here to uh i'm not here to talk good about especially on the college level i think college in many ways is a, is a money racket uh, especially when you consider federal backed loans uh but I don't believe in shifting blame where it, where it needs to be. And I think largely it's on the family that people aren't really raised to, to think for themselves. You know, they're taught someone's going to save us. We have to vote this way to save us. And uh, I'm not sure how you get through that, that messaging on them. And that's, that's the tricky part that you got to keep having these conversations and, I try my best. One thing that we try to do at the after party and to no avail yet uh, is to try to get some type of debate going on. You know, we have some right wingers that come on that disagree. We had a right winger today disagreeing with Hammett. I saw that was a good little conversation. Uh, we've got a, you know, a, a, a local uh, liberal that's always kind of on our page, kind of putting his two cents in. And I would love to have a debate with those guys and let people see that, uh, you can have those conversations maybe somewhere in the, in the mix of all that, you, you'll get that, that message one day, you know, like, Hey, because this conversation or your content, I understand there's a different option besides just Republican and Democrat. And I have had those messages very few and far between. I've not been doing this very long. I'm probably the youngest libertarian in this group right now. Uh, but it, that, I think those, getting 10 messages like, Hey, you're a douchebag, libertarians, blah, whatever versus the one, you know what? That makes sense. You know, I, I understand. And I like this better than the two traditional options. I guess it's worth it, but we gotta, we gotta try to get those. Like I've been trying, I've reached out to the black Israelites, not necessarily that I want to talk politics with them. I just want to have a discussion about what they're wanting to they talk about a lot, a lot about succession, even though those guys are racist, they're, they're very racist. I'm not going to sit here and be offended by it. I don't care. Cool. Have that, have that view, but let's talk like how, how does succession look for you and your, and your people? If you feel like you have a basis and you don't want to be ruled by the federal government, explain to me that process to you. You know, I, we've somewhere somehow we've got to get those really uncomfortable, weird conversations, like with the the what is it, the outright libertarian uh, LBGTQ crew and the Mises Caucus guys. We've got to get some weird, weird and, and awkward conversations going on where they we understand. Like, look, we don't have to agree on everything. We just don't. We have to make sure no one can look can dictate over us yeah so uh i'll say where i work at i'm not gonna say where because you know I, I need to have a paycheck but um i talk to individuals about basic liberty-minded ideas and the vast majority of people i work with are diehard republicans people who have been republican for longer than i've been alive at least twofold um, and I say, okay, I said, you can be anti-American government without being anti-America. I said, I, I respect the shit out of Americans. I said, we're hateful, angry sons of bitches. You know, we, we decided, hey, 
we're going to cross this terrain that's uninhabitable. It has been uninhabitable for a three, four hundred years, you know, talking about, you know, pretty much everything west of Oklahoma. And we're going to find what's on the other end over there. You know, we're, we're, we may die fine, but we're, we're going to find out what's over there. You know, we we have spent so many lives just doing stuff just to do it. You know, we have spent lives doing the right thing or trying to do the right thing, what we thought was the right thing. You know, uh, World War II, we didn't have to be involved. We could have just stayed here in the U.S., you know, even after Pearl Harbor, we could have re- fortified our coastal defenses. Germany, Japan, Italy, they they couldn't have even dreamed of coming over here. You know, there's just too many Americans that are just too crazy to want to invade. Thank God for that. But the U.S. government is always the problem. You know, we spent how what was it like three hundred thousand American lives winning the war in Europe, and as we've seen with Operation Paperclip, we brought over two hundred Nazi scientists and SS members and the upper echelon of the Nazi Party to the U.S. to help us beat the communists. Why? Why did we even fight the damn war in the first place then? You know, if we're going to, if the government's going to act on the behalf of the American people and do the worst thing possible, give amnesty to these people that murdered, systematically murdered six million humans, why in the hell did we fight that war? But no, it's people get crazy ideas sometimes. They they think they got a bigger boogeyman down the road, so they they cut a deal with the devil. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, it's, it's, no American would have signed off to that. The first thing Americans would have said is, why in the fuck did we fight this war then? If we're just going to bring them into the CIA, the FBI, you know, if we're going to have almost 300 SS members in Eastern Germany, you know, spying on, you know, Russians, why did we fight with the Russians in the first place? Why did we fight against the Germans in the first place? And the problem is, is that, like, like I said, it's not being anti-American. I trust the American people. I don't trust the American government. It, it's shown time and time again that it can't be trusted. And, uh, you know, I, I, if two people walk into my house right now, one says I'm from the government, one says I'm your neighbor down the road, I can tell you who I'm going to throw the hell out first. Because the person from the government obviously has somebody who's going to tell them to do something stupid who's, just not in my best interest. My neighbor, hell, I'll let him stay here. I don't give a shit. Cook food in my kitchen, sleep in the guest bedroom, whatever. But I don't trust the government, and I think most Americans feel that same way because we've the government has shown time and time again that it can't govern. It doesn't know how to. It just doesn't have the ability to govern in the best interest of the American people. For example, I, I 100% agree with you, man. I 100% agree with you. I, what I will say about World War II is that, you know, you have, you know, obviously with the uh, Japanese Imperial Navy and Air Force attacking Pearl Harbor, and, and that obviously galvanizes us into the war and the brutality of that war, especially in the island hopping, hopping campaigns and what took place there. Uh, there's a lot to be said for that, but in the sense of not trusting the government, 
uh, you can see it more transparent than ever. I mean, it's that's that's the scariest thing about uh, that. That's the scariest thing about what's going on now is that you have the most transparent time in in history where you know people openly just are okay with the government having so much overreach over them like i don't care if they go through my private my my computer i don't care if they go through my phone uh you know what we probably did go to iraq for for bad for for nefarious reasons but we're not going to say anything about it because you know they killed a contractor in a bombing or because Biden says that we need to bomb Syria or because Trump says we need to bomb Syria or because Obama says we need to up our drone strike counts. They willfully look away from it. And the way that they've done it is pure, pure identity politics. And I'll give you a good example. I fell for it. I remember like when Black Lives Matter first happened, you know, and I'm going to be honest with you, I was outraged for a while. It really, and I, it, took a long time for me to come off and i've had conversations on with you know talk about on this show and then also in the past and still keep in touch with those guys that you know americans that died don't haven't died for a, a particular political belief to be espoused they if the, the american idea of freedom is that everybody can say or do what they want at a bar that they inflict bodily harm to someone else or some type of harm to their business so you can you can express or protest how you feel as long as you're not uh, infringing on someone else's rights to pursuit of happiness or hurting them uh, but they get people tricked in identity politics to hyper focus and be so outraged that you're not even focused on the the blatant a money laundering scheme that's being carried out by the CIA and federal government in the forms of foreign aid and unconstitutional wars. So that's the scary thing about it too, you know, like I, and it's, it's good to know the history of like the, the pathology of it. When you look at from, especially I'll go ahead and say, start from a Vietnam, the Vietnam, the blatant corruption that was going on there in the, the alternative alternative motive of a proxy war with Russia and china uh and you 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 go on down further into you know the first gulf war and then you go into 9-11 and and the current war on terrorism and maybe the future domestic war on terrorism people are so comfortable saying yeah i don't trust the government but i'm going to vote for them anyways mm-hmm. and it's got it's got to start on a local level guys like i don't know another way to fight this beast and i definitely agree with hammond about you want to run someone on the the national level to win a presidency the the reason why i would say is that not necessarily that i think they ever could but uh that national voice brings in a lot of attention that's like a face of the libertarian party. So you want somebody that's bold and that can, you know, steal some votes. I mean, that's good too. And, you know, I want, I want a winner or somebody that could possibly win, but I'm more, uh, I'm more worried about that messaging. After you're, you're right about bringing in the, uh, the attention, you know, having worked to try to find libertarians here in East Tennessee, they were scarce, you know, over the, you know, for, a year, whatever it was. And then last year during the, the presidential campaign, they started popping out of the woodwork, all these people interested in the libertarian party. And it's been great. So that having that national voice brings the attention 
and I'm finding people that are around here that I never knew existed before that actually are interested in the Libertarian Party. Found out I went to church with one. Didn't know that, you know. That's why. That's why I, my litmus test has always been, you know. I think a lot of Democrats feel the same way, and a lot of Republicans feel the same way. You know, you got people on both ends of the spectrum who are, refuse to acknowledge these things, but reducing the federal government gives you the right, or gives you not gives you the right, gives you the ability to have the rights that you're given, which is if. Uh, as I said before, if you want to create a commune, you can't do that and have a strong federal government because the federal government will always do what it needs to to make sure that it's bringing in a paycheck for itself. You know, the commune is not going to generate revenue. It's not. But it's going to allow people to survive at whatever level you know they can create for themselves. You know, if you want pure capitalism, you can't have that and a strong federal government. As I was going to say earlier is, you know, the I think the one piece of legislation in modern history or most recent history is, you know, where we bailed out Wall Street, you know, that created the Tea Party movement. I think the approval rating for that was so low that I think the only thing that rivaled it would have been like, if if somebody introduced a slavery act in Congress right now, I think that'd be the only thing I would beat it. And it's just, it, it was so disapproved of by everybody on both sides of the aisle, Republicans and Democrats. Everybody hated it. And Congress said, yeah, get bent. Go fuck yourself. We're going to do what we want to do. That's what they've done with the bailouts too. I mean, mm-hmm. most of the bailout money didn't touch, didn't go to the American's pocket. I mean, shouldn't have been doing the bailouts anyway, the stimulus yep. stuff, but too much of it went overseas or to uh, corporations. Yeah, I mean, that, how, how long before we see a UBI? Yeah, no, no, we've always we we see coming it it's right here. now. It's here. Yeah. So you think this is like the start of it? No, no, it's like already actual, here. This most here. recent bill, this most recent stimulus package, actually, because my wife was talking about, she she looks into some of that stuff. People with children are going to start receiving. Uh, monthly stipend, I think, what is it, starting in three months or maybe next year, uh, for ha- just only having kids, just because you have kids. It's like 300 yeah. bucks a month per kid mm-hmm. or something, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something like that. It's something like $300 a month, and it's going to be like $600 for me and my wife because we have two kids. That is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you sh- you don't have any personal accountability at that stage. I mean, I mean, why would I not have more kids? Because the the bill doesn't actually dictate how many uh, how much money you get based upon uh, how many kids you have. So you could have ten kids. That's three grand a month. You don't. It doesn't care how you treat them. It doesn't care if you feed them. It doesn't care if you change them. It, I mean, it's, it's all based off the earned income tax credit, I believe, right? Yeah. The child, no, the child tax credit. I think it's the child yeah, tax. It's, it's it's normally, child tax normally, it was like $2,100 deduction uh, on your taxes, and that's gotten bumped up to, I think, $3,600. And it's gonna, you're going to get it monthly now instead of, you know, as a cut in your taxes at the end of the year, which is going to mess people up on their taxes, too, because they're going to be expecting to have that, oh, I got three kids. I get, you know, that $6,300 deduction in my income. People are going to start 
owing more on their taxes. I think once, once they start getting that child tax credit monthly, instead of annually on their taxes. Because nobody looks at tax law. Tax law is basically like taking your forehead and ramming it into a concrete wall as far as you can for about an hour and a half. And then maybe you'll understand it. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I, I, I try reading it and it just, it, it upset my soul. Like it was, a, it disturbed me on a, uh, on a spiritual level. And, and, uh, it, it's just, yeah. Universe based game comes here. It's already here. Um, people have ignored it. And that's why I individually push for legislation based upon simplicity. So I think, there needs to be legislation or an amendment, like a con- a physical constitutional amendment that says that if you pass a bill, it has to be written in plain English, number one, and it has to be a one-topic idea. So, like, if you're going to try and introduce a bill into Congress, it has to be on that one particular item. So, like, say, uh, say you want to pass a tax on flushing your toilet. You know what we already have. I'm not going to go into the topic, but let's say, let's say you want to create a tax. Every time you flush your toilet, you have to pay 15 cents. The bill can only encompass that. You cannot have these ginormous 9,000-page omnibus bills that say a hundred million things, but will say, "Oh, it's but it's it's only a uh, tax on flushing your toilet." Who, I mean, who's going to read a 9,000-page legal document? There is no lawyer in the country I could afford to pay to read a 9,000-page legal document. And they, that's never, what it is. they never get them in enough time to, to read. Even if somebody wanted to sit down and read those, they don't get them in enough time to read them before they actually have the vote usually. Yeah, they'll, they'll know by their bank accounts in a couple of weeks. Don't worry. They'll, they'll <laughs> yeah. know. They'll get notifications. Yeah. And it's just if you give, and it's like it was mentioned before, is Americans aren't educated enough on this stuff in a lot of ways. Yeah, because they don't want to sit down and read a 300-page document. I don't want to put it on. Most legislation could be put on one page. If it can't be put on one page, it's probably bad. Probably. I always like Thomas Massey's uh, every, every session he introduces a bill to... Uh, get rid of the department of education at the federal level and it reads the department of education will cease to exist on december 31st 2021 or whatever it is and that's the whole bill right there one yeah. sentence and yeah. we need more of that you know give me a short bill that can be done like you say in less than a page yeah i mean if, if you can't do that and you have to put it in such obscure language you obviously don't know how to govern i mean that's really what it is and americans if you ask them, I don't give a shit what political uh, affiliation they claim. If you say, I want to introduce a bill that says that each bill has to be introduced on one page or less. Most Americans, I'd say 99.99% of Americans would agree with that. The only people that will disagree are lobbyists, like federal lobbyists and politicians because, you know, the ones that gain the most from this obscure omnibus bullshit but if 
if you can put like so yeah like like you said you know declaring the department of education will cease to exist on you know march 17 2021 that is a very simple bill it there's no obscurity to it you understand what the bill says it doesn't say that we will defund the department of education starting you know march uh 17 2021 uh, up until you know uh march uh 21st uh, and but there's like 3,000 words in between those two sentences. Nobody's going to read that. But if, if you put it in plain English, if you look, okay, so let me, let me backtrack here. If you look at the Constitution, how much fluff is in the Constitution? It is very simplistic and to the point. The reason being is they did not want any controversy Un, like to float around what they were saying. It's very, very to the point because they wanted people to understand even two, three, four hundred years from now what the hell they were saying. That's why it's not a 9,000 page document. It's maybe a 20 page document because some of the amendments and some of the uh, original text is a little bit longer and it's in cursive because, you know, millennials, uh, some of my people can't read cursive because the Department of Education sucks. But um, it's very simplistic, and it gets very straight to the point. First Amendment is you can't tell people what they can say, you can't tell people what they can practice religiously, and you can't tell people that they can't assemble to protest this bullshit government. Simple. Second Amendment says you have the right to own guns. Period. Stop. Full sentence. Third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth amendment. Same thing. It's all two, three, four, five lines of text. That's it. It's very to the point. And we have convinced ourselves as Americans that we need these omnibus pass, uh, packages that have all this bullshit in it. It's all fluff and it's all bullshit that pads their pockets. And that's, that's why we are the, in the shape we're in. No different with the stimulus package. Why did we need to send $200 million for Iran for fucking gender studies? They don't give a shit. They don't. No, I could have put that money to good use. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> and my wife told me that with this, with our most recent stimulus, I'm not allowed to buy a gun with it. So I guess two out of three ain't bad, right? I was disappointed. What? <laughs> yeah, uh, I know. Look, look. Bring your wife over to the house tomorrow. We'll 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 fix that problem. <laughs> I think we'll, we'll take we'll her take her out shooting, and, and you'll you'll be able to buy whatever the hell gun you want to. She's you got to tell her it's a gun for her. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's got one. She's happy with it. I think she's more inclined to a. a no, she needs a another re- one because it's going to be a, at this point. If the UBI takes an effect and the dollar crashes, you'll have a, another piece for barter. That bring a lot, dude. Yeah, she, that. she's like gun bathroom ba- remodel, gun bathroom uh, remodel. So, yeah, you know, you shit in the woods, you good. Man. I can't. I don't have no, I don't have no uh, advice for you now. She'd probably say you can't so, buy ammo for it anyway. So, well, uh, well, I mean, she's not wrong there. But so I did want to touch on one last thing before we hop off tonight because we've gone a little bit over the hour. So, the government speaking on inflation. That's a good topic, something I did want to cover tonight. Uh, crypto. Either one of y'all in crypto. 
A little bit. I'm not. Okay. Here, here's my sad, pathetic crypto story. In 2012, I was working from home doing some computer contracting, and I heard about this thing called Bitcoin. And I was like, oh, I could mine that. That sounds interesting. So then I sent my computer off to start mining Bitcoin. And I don't know how much I got at the time, but then I read that it's bad for your uh, graphics card. It could burn it up over time. And I was like, oh, I can't afford that. So I stopped. So then all of a sudden, a few years ago, it's worth a lot of money. So then, so I, so essentially I took that, what I had then, and I added a couple hundred dollars when uh, Bitcoin was at 2000 or was it 20,000 years ago. And I think I've got like $1,200 worth now, but I did buy $20 worth of Bitcoin today on the, one of the stock trading apps. Mm-hmm. So I, I heard the idea that you buy it because it's always going up and down. So if you pick a point and you buy it and you wait till it gets like 5% above that or something, then sell it and then wait till it drops back down again, then buy it again, that you could slowly accumulate, accumulate cash. So First, when you're doing you 20, when you're doing 20 bucks at a time at 5%, I'm going to make like a dollar every couple of weeks. So by the end of the year, I might be able to afford a half a box of ammo or something. <laughs> yeah, I got to ask a question. I don't understand because this is like the premise of, of Bitcoin. I understand that ultimately you, you hold higher faith into Bitcoin than say the dollar. Uh, what can you physically buy with Bitcoin? Like what can you purchase? Like what are a lot of places that will accept that? I will, I will tell you this, that a lot of companies actually do accept crypto. They just don't advertise it because right. uh, the more you advertise it, the more the federal government wants a piece of it. They want to be able to sell it to people, like sell products to people using Bitcoin because it's not taxed. It's not regulated. You can it buy taxed. stuff. It's well, taxed now. When you well, buy and sell, it's taxed, I think, now. The uh, IRS, it, wants their, wants their, IRS wants their cut of the of the profit or loss, I think. There, there is a way around it. Um, you can buy direct without paying a tax on it. Um, but the really, the tax that you pay is the transfer fee. So, gotcha. I, I, uh, Zeb, I don't know if you know anything about the blockchain. The blockchain basically is uh, large groups of people who maintain the encryption for cryptos. Um, basically you pay them to move money around the crypto um that's really the tax that you pay to do that stuff it, this is a four hour long podcast on crypto um i can send you some good stuff on it uh i use litecoin a lot what the hell uh, i can't just went out but um you could uh yeah, so I use Litecoin because it has a lower transfer fee, um, but uh, Bitcoin has a higher transfer fee because so many people are into it. You know, they'll, they'll they'll get excited about oh, uh, you know, Bitcoin's making a run. What blah 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 whatever. Um, but uh, there are quite a few companies that you can actually purchase stuff with crypto. It's just not as prominent as it should be. Um, and it's just, I, me personally, I think crypto should be the future because it's not regulated by the government, number one, or isn't yet regulated by the government. And number two, um, it 
there's a lot more people that hold those currencies accountable. Um, and you can't mass produce them either. Like uh, uh, Bitcoin, what is it? 21 million. There can never be more than, I think that's the number 21 million Bitcoins. Yeah. So they can't go out and make new ones. So it's a, it's, it's, it's a fixed quantity. And, it, and in fact, it's going to be a shrinking quantity as people lose their wallet and the money's not there. Unlike the, you know, the, the dollar, you know, what 40% of the dollars ever put into circulation were put into circulation in the past year. So, you know, that inflating the currency leads to price inflation and, you're not going to get that with Bitcoin because you can't inflate Bitcoin. Now there are, there are cryptos that you can do that with. Uh, there right. are cryptos that are generated. Um, but it really, it, it really depends on doing a slight bit of research because most of this stuff is pretty open. Uh, when you can, when you go to anywhere that you can physically buy physical crypto, uh, they'll have what's called white pages. Um, and it basically breaks down for you in very plain terms what it is, the intent behind it, and what it's supposed to do. Um, Litecoin was designed uh, to replace Bitcoin uh, because it, it would, it's easier to mine, number one, and number two, it's cheaper to transfer. Um, that's why I'm big on it. Most people will just say, shut the hell up. We don't care. Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. But... Um, the transaction fees of Bitcoin are, are slow too, aren't they? It takes longer to process. Yeah, Bitcoin is typically 30 minutes or more. It depends on how busy the blockchain is. Litecoin, I think the longest I've had, and it was, I got a notice that it, the blockchain was very busy. I think it took 15 minutes. But it, it still costs a, a very minor fraction of what Bitcoin does. I think I've lost approximately $200 in in bitcoin just transferring stuff between my brokerage account and my wallet and then you know buying stuff from people whatever whatever litecoin i think i've lost maybe ten dollars and i've spent way more money in litecoin they do have uh atms for cryptos now i saw somebody posted on facebook that there was one in jefferson city tennessee i believe that i I can see that i I think what's what's really ironic is that uh you know, the federal government says, oh, well, there's a lot of nefarious stuff going on with uh, crypto. Yeah, but if you if you take one of those drug uh, sample kits, you know, with the swab and the test tube and everything, uh, what is it, five and six bills in circulation have trace amounts of cocaine on it? Right. When was the last time you seen somebody take a Bitcoin, roll it up, and snort coke? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but by government standards, they say drugs are bad. I mean, their their fiat, you know, their physical uh, currency is used to buy drugs far more than crypto is on a large scale. Absolutely. But. Deb, Robert, you uh, you gentlemen, I appreciate y'all coming on. And, Thanks uh, for having us. I really would love to do this again uh, whenever we all three get a chance to sit down and do this again. I had a lot of fun, and I think we got through a lot of really good information. Absolutely, man. Love to, maybe we'll, we'll play a good host and have you on the after party some point. That, that's, that's a mistake right there, bringing me on y'all's podcast. <laughs> we need to, I'll tell you what we need to do. We need to get together in East Tennessee and have a big shoot one day. I know we're all 
I'd say that I would imagine the vast majority of us are probably gun lovers. I know, I know ammo is hurting right now, but hopefully maybe the, uh, it'll rebound, but I would like to get the Eastern, Eastern of Tennessee, Eastern area, Tennessee guys together for some type of shoot. Uh, I think that would be awesome. Well, the best I can offer you is on April 3rd, I think at 7 PM, we're all going to be meeting for uh, the regional uh, libertarian party. Uh, we'll be meeting at this call. I think it's called the ax house of Kingsport. Uh, we'll be throwing some axes. Uh, you know, if you, if you want to get your Viking blood pumping, uh, we'll, we'll be throwing some axes on April 3rd. Is um, that a, that's a Saturday, isn't it? Yes, sir. Oh man. We're, we've got a big night shoot that night. I oh. saw that. I remember I saw you post that and I was interested in going, but I checked my schedule and, uh, we've got a, we're testing out a bunch of our stuff. Oh, he's, he's cranking out the nods. Yeah. Well, they're the poor man nods. They're the psionics. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with them or not, but they're a, they're a digital night vision and they're, Mine, I, mine, I pay three hundred dollars for. I, I painted it myself, kind of put some add-ons to it. But I, I'm kind of doing it to point, prove a point that you don't have to drop thirteen hundred dollars or two grand or three grand or however expensive you want. So you don't have to drop all that to to shoot effectively at night. I think these, uh, I think these will hold up well. But we're going to record the whole or the whole ordeal, the whole range, and I'm going to post it to the after party and, and let let the people kind of review and make their own decisions on it. Cause uh, if you want to get into night shooting or just shooting in general, a lot of people will tell you that you have to spend X amount of money or have this brand or that this is what you have to have. And that's just not, that's not true. It's more about training and, and knowing your gear and having it comfortable versus the amount of money you spend on it. So I, 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 I hate want to miss that man. My bad. I went off on a tangent good. there, but it's, it's all right. It's, it's, uh, uh, you know, I'm not going to force nobody to do that. I'm not we'll, have a, we'll definitely set something up further when the summer gets in. It gets warmer. I'm planning to be there on that. Uh, I haven't got it finalized yet, but I'm planning to be there for that uh, axe throwing. Yeah, I've got somebody. I'm uh, a political figure. I'm working on trying to get there. I'm not going to say any names because I don't want to promise anything I can't deliver on. But um, right now. It looks like it's going to be a fun time, even if it's just 10 or 12 of us. Um, you know, I, the only thing I do ask from people is please reserve your spot in advance because we've got 20 spots reserved. We had to pay for those 20 spots, whether or not pe- 20 people show up, um, more people show up. They didn't reserve. I'll turn you away because it's not my, it's not my business, but, um, yeah, but it looks like it's going to be a fun time. You know, I've, this is something I've personally wanted to do. You know, a lot of people have been real interested in it and just haven't been able to do it. But, uh, yeah. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate y'all coming on. Uh, you know, like I said, it's been a lot of fun. You know, y'all uh, giving a lot of good insight, you know, getting out some good discussion, and I hope we can do some more. Have a good one. You too, bud.